0: Well, we are wrapping up our four-week series called Change Your World, and it's really just been a vision series for us to kind of reorient, uh, reorientate our hearts and our minds on kind of what's the most important thing of how we can actually make a difference in our world, to kind of break out of the proverbial ruts that many of us find ourselves in. We love God. I'm, I'm, a lot of us are, you know, we, we, we pursue Jesus, but sometimes we get stuck in this little bit of a rut and we forget kind of what our main thing is all about. And so this has been just a good series of reminding ourselves that church doesn't exist just to kind of have a place to go on Sundays. I'm sure other, you, have, you know, your schedules are full enough, but church actually exists to mobilize us to make a difference in the, in the lives of others, to change our world. It's, it's, we gather to go, right? We don't just gather for gathering's sake, but we gather in order to go. Very similar, we don't just go to the gas station as the final destination, but the gas station is the place we go We go in order to go where we want to go. And I believe that's the same thing. As we gather together in church, it's a way of going into the world. And just a quick recap before we jump into today's topic, but we talked about three ways that we can do that. We talked about living the salt and light life is by valuing people, by adding value to people, We talked about how we make a difference by recognizing our sphere of influence and recognize those places, the passion and the people that God have placed, has placed in our life and seeing them through the eyes of God. And last week we talked about how we cannot reach who we cannot see. If we're choosing to turn a blind eye to the needs, if we're choosing to not look at the situation in its, in its realness and see the people that God has brought us to, then we're never going to be able to reach them. And so you can catch up on those series. But today... I want to say the ultimate purpose in life is to make a difference in the lives of others. And through Jesus, our lives can have an impact wherever we go and whatever we do, whoever we're with, one person at a time. And that's been really the heart of this message, that we would understand that, again, changing our world is not just like this big you know, thing, but it just starts with all of us just one at a time, one person at a time, one conversation at a time, one, one moment at a time, recognizing who God is done, what God has done in us, and who where God has placed us. But I, I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's challenging at times, isn't it? It's, at times it's difficult, at times there's resistance, at times it's hard or it's, it's complicated. So today, what I'm hoping to do is kind of break it all down and just show us the simplest form of making a difference, the simplest form. I, we're going to call a little bit like Evangelism 101, you know, this idea of living out your Faith and it's developing this come and see confidence. We're going to call our message today this this come and see confidence. And, uh, and uh, there's a story in the look in the book of John that I want to draw to your attention. You can follow us on U Version. We have all of our notes again are there, and you can scroll and follow our, our scriptures. But they're also going to be on the screen. But I, I want you to understand that the evangelism and this come and see confidence is more than just sort of this big large scale events or these revival meetings or moments. But God actually plans, God's plan for spreading his message of hope is you and I. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. You know, like, it's you. You know, you're part of the plan to spread this message of hope one person at a time. And there's a story in the book of John that I want to read today, and I believe it captures the essence of this come and see confidence. And so we're going to start in John 1, then I'm going to have a couple thoughts I want to throw your way today. So John one, we're talking with John uh, John one verse thirty five. The next day, John the Baptist, who we're talking, we're talking about John the Baptist in this moment. He again, remember, pe- some people know John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. He was born. His mission was to be a prophet to prepare the way of the Lord to let people know that the Messiah was coming. So he had disciples of his own, the people that had followed him as they preparing the way for Jesus. So the next day, John the Baptist was there again, and two of his disciples. Uh, with, with, was there with two of his disciples when they saw Jesus passing by John says look the lamb of God so he's pointing towards Jesus when the two disciples heard him say this they followed Jesus so these two disciples have been following John we don't know for how long but they've been followers of John but all of a sudden John says that's Jesus and these two disciples just straight up get up and leave him and go follow Jesus is like I'm done with you I'm going after the real deal. It's just kind of this interesting story. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Then Then they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. Now, it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, so Peter... For those of us who know Peter was one of the, the big disciples, uh, you know, one of the patriarchs of our faith disciples. He was the one who denied Jesus three years later, you know, when Jesus was being tried. So this is, we're talking about Andrew now. So Jesus' brother. He was a disciple. Uh, he was one of the two who heard that John had said about Jesus, and he was the one who followed Jesus. And the very first thing, if you have your Bible, that's a great line to circle. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him. There's another line. Another couple of verses you can underline. And he told him, He told them, uh, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And not only did he tell them, but he brought him to Jesus. See, Andrew met with Jesus. Then he went and told his brother about Jesus. And then he brings his brother to Jesus. We see a pattern. Jesus looked at him and he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And uh, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael. A lot of finding going on here. A lot of speaking and sharing. And he what? He told him. He told him. We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about who the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth, Nathanael asked? Listen, he he couldn't see it. He couldn't see this this promised Messiah. For whatever circumstance, we don't know the situations or the circumstances that that didn't allow Nathanael to see and to understand that that Jesus could be him, that this could be Jesus. So what does Peter say? Peter says, come and see for yourself. Come and see. And when Jesus saw him, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, well, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you when I saw you under the fig tree, but you will see greater things than that. He, then he added, very truly I tell you, you will, see even, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I love this story. I love this account. I, I love how Jesus uses John the Baptist's cousin, Andrew and Philip, to bring others towards himself. This is Evangelism 101. This is how you share the good news. It starts with each one of us having an encounter with Jesus personally, right? We, we meet Jesus personally. Every one of these knew who Jesus was. And then they share their encounter with someone that they know, someone in their sphere of influence, like we talked about already. Andrew told his brother, Nathaniel told his friend, Philip. I mean, Philip told his friend Nathaniel. Then each one brings the person to Jesus. Come and see for yourself. And in doing so, that person also then has an encounter with Jesus, where Jesus sees them and he knows them personally. And the cycle continues. Jesus changes everything. I'm so grateful that we get to be invited into this process of bringing people to Jesus. Now, I, was, I found it interesting as I was reading this story. I was realizing, listen, Jesus wasn't just for a certain group of people, but Jesus is for everyone. See, Jesus is for those who are looking and those who are blind. Jesus is, looking at, looking, is here for those who are seeking him and looking for him. And he's also he's here for those who are blinded to him. see this in in the story. We see that Jesus, he was looking for the ones who were looking. Andrew and Peter says, we have found the one. We have found the one we have been looking for, right? Andrew was seeking after the Messiah. He was a follower of John the Baptist because he wanted to know who the Messiah was. He he was curious. He was hungry to discover the Messiah, the long-awaited Christ. And so we see how God met Andrew in his seeking. And he, Christ revealed Himself to him, but He's also there for the blind. He's also there for the ones who who couldn't see Him, who who didn't understand, who who are far from Him. And he, we see the story of Nathaniel, right? Like, how can anything good come from Nazareth? He just was he was blinded by the reality that the Messiah could be here. See, the world I believe is full of Nathaniels who are simply they simply cannot fathom or see how God can be. Like, they just can't fathom it. They can't see it. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians. He says, the God of this age, right, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So what? They cannot see. They're blinded by the realities. They're blinded by the hope. They're blinded by the truth. They cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He goes on to say, for God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, right? The God who spoke the light and separated light from the darkness, who created sea uh, from the land, who spoke every being into creation. This same God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light and the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Listen, that same light that shines in the grace of God, the same light that was spoken into the person of Jesus, the same grace and favor that was put on Jesus shines within us. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive and lives with us. That same light, that same power, that same hope lives within us. But I love how then Paul goes on to just clarify one little tidbit that's really important for us to understand. See, we have this treasure in jars of clay, meaning we are fragile. We can be broken. We are, we are not all powerful. But we are, have this, this treasure in the jars of clay is what? To show that the all surpassing power is from God and not from uh, so what does that actually mean? Meaning we, we, we can display it. We are like a mirror reflecting the light, but we are not the light, right? Like we, we can reflect the goodness of God. We can reflect the grace of God, but we ourselves cannot be, the, we are not the light. We are reflectors of it. See, God uses you and I, those who have been chosen to follow him as, as light bearers to reveal his power to others. And I'm so grateful that God is not a respecter of persons, right? He's not limiting his power and his presence, and his person, to just a certain group of people, or to the spiritually elite, or to men, or to women, to rich, or to poor, to young, or to old, it's to all people. John 3.16 16 tells us this, doesn't it? For God so loved what? The world, everyone, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, come on, who, who is whoever? You are whoever. Your neighbor is whoever. The boss that is mean to you is whoever. That child across the street that you just want to give a spanking to is whoever. Come on now. Whoever is whoever. All people, the ones we like and the ones we'd rather run from. Right? All people shall believe in him and not perish, but have eternal life. Acts tells us, Luke tells us in Acts, he says he's quoting the gospel of, he's quoting the prophet Joel. He says, In the last days, God says, What? I will pour my spirit out on who? All. What? All people. Who's all people? All people, right? All people. That includes you. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in all those days, and they will prophesy. They will speak of my goodness. He goes on to say, he's quoting the prophet Joel, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. God is not a respecter of persons. God wants his presence and his person to be known by all people. Those who choose to lean into him and we have the opportunity. This is the story. I love how the story just reveals that we're all who have been found by Jesus have the opportunity to find people and lead them back to Jesus. Nobody is too far gone that they cannot be found. And I I believe in the deepest part of me that most people in this world are not vile, evil, or malicious. I believe that we have bad intentions at times, and I believe evil does exist. But I think most people in this world are just blind. They are just lost. Most people aren't, you know, evil people just spilling out vile and venom in all the conversation. Most people are simply blind. They're what Peter talks about. Paul talks about they're just, they're, the, 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 world, the gods of this world, the, the, the powers of this world have just, just blinded them from seeing the truth. They're blind from knowing hope and finding freedom and, and knowing the joy and peace and purpose. And we have the responsibility as followers of Jesus to live in such a way that reflects God's great love for them. People are looking for hope, and you and I are bearers of that hope. Now, I think we could all agree that viewing people and, and treating our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members as, as sort of check as a project or personal checklist is harmful. It's harmful for everyone. We don't want to just see people as a project. And of course this, this approach to evangelism there's this expression, you know, love people love people with no strings attached was birth, right? Like we, don't, we don't, we're just going to love people. We're just going to love people, no strings attached, because we don't want to treat them as a project. We don't want to treat them like a like a like a, check, like a checklist. Yes, we want to reflect the God's love, so we're just going to let we're going to love with no strings attached. And commonly partnered with this approach is this famous saying associated with Saint Francis of Assisi, and it goes like this: Maybe many of you have heard it. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Right. What does that mean? It means like your life, all the things you do should be pointing people towards Jesus, right? Your actions, or reactions, how you serve, how you love, right? John tells us or Jesus tells us that we will know, uh, you're, you'll know that you're my disciples by what? By your love towards one another, right? There's this idea that our actions should point people towards Jesus. Our actions should look different that reveals Jesus. We're just going to love with no strings attached. We're going to preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, we're going to use words. And I believe this is true to a point. But I've come to realize that there is a challenge in this statement if we just take it as a holistic statement. And here's the challenge. If I'm going to be honest, I'm going to speak for me, okay? I'm not going to speak for you. I would never do that. I'm going to speak for me. I know, personally know, kinder, (laughs) more loving, generous people than me who don't know Jesus, I, 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 Christians don't have the monopoly on humanitarianism or philanthropy. Like we don't, there are some, there are some really kind, really compassionate, very generous, very loving people in this world who don't know Jesus, and they are showing love and kindness and compassion, but they're not pointing people to Jesus. So at some point, it doesn't give us the full picture. So I love the heart behind this approach there is another critical step that needs to be taken in order for us to walk in this come and see confidence. In fact, so I believe Francis, uh, St. Francis also believed that. In fact, while there's a little bit of discrepancy in, you know, the wording of how this is, I don't know if this is a true quote. I think this is sort of a, you know, a synthesized version of what he really said, but ultimately he did say there's no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching, right? Like, there's no point going anywhere to share the good news unless as we go there, we're sharing the good news in our steps. Like, we're sharing the good news in our actions. And so from these words and from his example, we see that St. Francis held this deep commitment, hear me now, to both the embodiment and the proclamation. Both the embodiment and the proclamation of the gospel. It is, not, it is never either or. It is always both and. It's never the embodiment or the proclamation it is always both, the embodiment and the proclamation. Brennan Manning famously said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and what? Deny him with our lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. I remember hearing that quote for the very first time in the 90s when the G- D- DC Talk Jesus Freaks album came out. You know, I'm dating myself a little bit. People don't know who G- DC Talk is. You need to go back and do some history. It'll change your life. Down with the DC talk. Come on now. And, uh, but I remember hearing this quote, and I've never forgotten it. It's imprinted on my heart. Because I don't want to be that type of person. I don't want to just like profess the goodness of God in here and then go out there and deny the goodness of God. I don't want to profess the power of God in here and then go out there and deny the power of God. Like I want that to flow in me and through me. See, come and see confidence comes through the alignment of our conduct and our conversations, it comes through the alignment of our conduct and our conversations between the things that we do and the things that we say, between the pro- what we proclaim as truth and how we actually live that truth out. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit. We talked about the whole We sang about the Holy Spirit this morning. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because He will never leave us nor will He forsake us. And in those moments where it seems harder, it seems harder to live for Jesus than we hope. We can receive the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the empowerment to live for Him. And so many times I sympathize with Paul, the Apostle Paul, who confesses to this personal frustration in his letter to the church in Rome. And he says, I don't really understand myself for what I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Like, I want to do the right thing, but I always find myself doing the wrong thing. Like, and I'm living in this tension and so grateful today that we all can embrace the grace of God and his mercies are new every morning for us to continue to lean in and allow his power to be made complete in us. But Paul doesn't settle there. He doesn't use that as an excuse, but he continues to lean into the reality to remind us that we are all called to live this come and see confidence. And so he goes on, he quotes the prophet Joel also. He says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We all know this. This is this is, a pro- old, time, this is old Testament. Any new, new Jew would understand the prophet Joel. would understand this line. This is familiar. But I love how he, he goes on. He says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him Unless someone, what? Tells them. Unless someone tells them. You see, here is the thought I want you to understand today. Our actions provide us the credibility and the opportunity to what? To tell, to share the good news. I believe that they will know, like Jesus says, we will know know we're his disciples by our love for one another. That is awesome. That is beautiful. That is right. That is true. But that love, that love gives us the opportunity now and the credibility to share with words the same grace-filled love of Christ. Listen, it's, it's great to serve. It's great to, to give. It's great to show love with actions, but that same love should compel us to share with words. And so this is a really simple message today for us to understand. It's a real simple message for us to understand that we've been called if we've, if we've accepted Christ into our hearts, if we live for Jesus, we got to experience the good news of Jesus, now we have the opportunity to live a life that points people back to Jesus. We can develop that same sort of come and see confidence that the, pro, that the gospel tells us in the disciples of Jesus. We get to tell them about Jesus, but we also get to invite them to see Jesus themselves. You see, the potential issue with just loving with strings, with no strings attached the potential issue of we just loving with no strings attached is that eventually or sometimes the shift can focus not back up to Jesus but kind of stays on you and I. Somehow as we dislove with no strings attached, if we don't proclaim the good news of Jesus, if we don't share the good news of Jesus, then we become the hero of the story. Our, our good works. Samaritan's Purse is going out east and, and the Convey of Hope and there's many organizations that are going to help those in need, and, and they can go and they can help rebuild and, f- and, f- and feed and nourish and clothe, and they can go and do all those things, and they can, come be, they can be, become the hero of the story. But these organizations are Christ organizations, Jesus-centered organizations that are giving people back the opportunity to know Jesus, to understand that we're doing this in the name of Jesus. We want to give you a cup of cold water, but we also want to give you the cup of living water. We want to let you know that we can take care of your needs according, we want to take care of your needs, your real needs, your practical needs, we want to help you, but we also want to know that you need Jesus, because Jesus is the one who will ultimately heal you, and save you, and restore you, it's it's both and, and so as a church, we talked about this idea that we're not a country club church, but we're a great commission church, as a great commission church, we don't love with strings attached, we don't, we unapologetically love with Jesus attached. We continue to put Jesus into everything that we do. We actively participate in the gospel by faith because Jesus actively made a way for us through love. So what does that look like? Real simple, real, real simple today for you. First thing is what that looks like for you and I is that we bring people to Jesus. We bring people to Jesus. We kind of follow the example of the disciples of, of, of John and, and Andrew and, and Philip who, who go to our friends and go to our spheres of influence and our family members and those who are, who are, who are looking for the Messiah and those who have been blinded by the realities of this world. And we say, listen, I want to tell you about Jesus. We, we point. What did John the Baptist do? There he is. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's the guy. That's the one you want to follow. That's the hope. He is the light of the world. Not me, I'm just here, I'm a, I'm a mouthpiece. I'm a, I'm a mouthpiece pointing towards him. We, we use our words and we point. And we also bring through an invitation. What did Andrew say? Come and see, come and see for yourself. We invite them to come. We bring people to Jesus. We invite them to church. We invite them to our small groups. We invite them into our homes. We invite them into the place into the presence where they can meet and encounter Jesus. We don't bury the lead. We don't put them under a bucket. We don't hide them into the, in a closet. We put them on display because Jesus has changed our life. So we bring people to Jesus. And secondly, it's going to change. It's going to rock your world. Get ready for it. We bring Jesus to people. So not only do we, get, we bring people to Jesus but as we leave this place and as we walk in the goodness of God we actually become carriers of Christ We become reflections of his light and his love and his hope and his joy and his peace and we actually wherever we go we actually bring Jesus to people if you go to work you're bringing Jesus to people when you go home you're bringing Jesus to your family when you walk through your neighborhood you're bringing Jesus into your community you are representing the heart and the love and the grace and the compassion of Jesus. It's through the actions the way we love and the way we serve to see generosity is the evidence of what? Of a changed life. And so when we let our light shine through the crackness and the brokenness of our lives. We can let his light shine. We're his testimony. We're a walking testimony of his grace and his gospel. And then we become witnesses. We share what we have seen listen, we don't know it all. I I don't even know it all. There's there's so much I'm discovering still as I open God's word. But like the man in the Bible who's testifying about the power of God, what does he say? He says, I was once was blind. I don't know all all that. I don't know all that's taking place. and I I can't tell you exactly who he is. But I was once blind, but now I see. I couldn't walk, and now I can walk. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. See, your life, your story, your, your personal encounter with Jesus is God's plan. For humanity your life your story your example your encounter and so we live a light we live a Sultan life light that adds value to people we embrace our sphere of influence we we open our eyes to the need and we develop this come and see confidence that brings people to Jesus and Jesus to people this is how we change our world I believe this is our commitment this is our calling this is the commission that we've been invited to into, and I honestly believe that our community, Concord and Bruce County, needs the hope that Jesus offers. And you and I are sitting on it, and some of us, can we be honest, put it in our pocket, zip it up, we'll bring that back out next week when we come back to church. It's time to let your light shine. It's time to be Superman. Come on, rip it open. Make sure you got a shirt underneath, but rip it open. Let your light shine. Like, like, be the gospel. Point with confidence. Bring with confidence. Live with confidence. Speak with confidence. And this confidence is not in ourselves. It is in the power of God. It is in the power of God. John, John, J. John says, if we want to share the gospel with great confidence, then we need to have great confidence in the gospel. We need to have complete confidence. In the gospel. If we want to share with great confidence, we need to have complete confidence in the good news that once we were lost and now we were found, once we were blind, but now we see. And that God is still at work in me, right? No one in this room that I know at least professes to be perfect, professes to get it all figured out, but recognize the more and every day how much we need Jesus at work in our lives. And so today, here's my prayer. May you know the goodness of God. May you embrace his grace and walk in his love and may that same love compel you you to shine, to share through the alignment of your conduct and your conversations and develop within you this come and see confidence that leads people to Jesus and Jesus to people. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. And God, we just thank you so much for your good news. God, we thank you that you found us as we were, that you love us as we are, but you love us too much to leave us the way we are. That every day, through conversations, through scripture, through worship, through your word, God, you reveal yourself to us and you remind us again this, 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 this mission that you called us to, to, to be salt and to be light, to walk with you and be a vehicle of your good news. And God, I pray that today we would lean into this and we would develop this come and see confidence, Lord, that we would have this confidence in the goodness of God. That we remember, oh God, that our light, that all my life you've been faithful, all of our life you've been so good to us. And out of that place of confidence and out of that place of awareness and personal relationship, we would lean in and let your light shine. Let your light shine through us to all people. God, we need you today. We need you today. God some of us need you here maybe for the first time some of us need you for another time but we need you we recognize that apart from you we are nothing and so we just give you our hearts again today speak to us God as we just sing this song as a make this our prayer lord as we declare your goodness as we declare your faithfulness as we declare your steadfastness God I pray that we reminded we would develop within you again a confidence in who you are God, that we would live a life that reflects your goodness. God, this is our prayer. This morning we pray in your precious name. Amen. Let's sing this together.